An interesting weekend for the Charlotte Hornets. Some things never change in their domination over the Detroit Pistons, but also a bad quarter that would eventually lead to their loss to Memphis, despite a valiant effort in the second half to almost come back. We also speak with Katie Heindel about her piece on Miles Bridges. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cook. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. There might be less football being played now, but betonline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season from scored totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting, even in the 2022 season coming up. But you also have plenty of other sports like basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC odds coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we got a lot to talk about, Doug. A couple of games with the Charlotte Hornets, some stories within the big time games that they have, individual player performances. We got to see the debut of Montrez Harrell, which it's nice to have a player that doesn't miss any shots. That is a pretty good pickup from from uh, Mitch Kupchak. It's a great, like it's a great quality to have as a basketball player, not missing yeah. shots. I like that. I like Montrez Harrell. It's like, oh, he's not going to answer your defensive issues. But if you make everything you take, then all right, I'll take that, especially giving up Ish Smith and Vernon Carey. We will take Montrez here. Um, let's start with the Detroit Pistons game. It's more fun to talk about. We destroy Detroit. Like, I, I don't I don't want to jinx it, but I almost feel I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna teeter into that land. It's just they destroy them, Doug. They absolutely own the Pistons. Granted, they're not a good basketball team. Mm -hmm. They haven't been for a little while. That is very true. But for a team, they scored 150 against Indiana. They've been slumping ever since. And then they, all right, now's the time to unload the 140 burger. <laughs> this is the time to do it. I, they just own Detroit. LaMelo had a fantastic game. Miles was awesome. Terry got going a little bit too. I Just a lot to like against a Detroit Pistons squad that they own. Yeah, Kelly Oubre gets a start in place of uh, Gordon Hayward. The shooting seemed to return for the team. They were 18 of 42 from the three-point line, 42.9% on the game. Look, if every game was against Detroit and Indiana, then the Hornets uh, might finish 82 and 0. I mean, I think uh, they would. I don't think you said he might to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, 10 made field goals for LaMelo, 10 made field goals for Miles, uh, 7 of 9 from 3 for LaMelo. That's, you know, it's been rare to see him shoot that well from three, but he was excellent. And then you had the triple-double by Terry Rozier, 25, 11, and 10. Um, and, you know, they they kind of got going a little bit late. Um, I thought, you know, defensively they had a little bit of an issue guarding uh, Detroit, especially in the interior. That's something that we've seen. Uh, but Montrez, I think, made a big dif difference offensively because he was uh, someone who could uh, take it inside, be physical, finish through contact. Got to the free throw line, but strangely yeah. – 
hasn't been hit in either game against Detroit or Memphis. This is not hitting his free throws as um, effectively as we all thought. We thought like Montrez is going to come in here and sort of be the anti-Plumley in that he can get fouled and knock down free throws, but that hasn't been the case yet. Not too worried about that, but that was something that we did see. Yeah, so talking about Trez against Detroit, he was 7 of 9. He did play, and Mitch Kupchak spoke. It was the day of that game, and he said as long as everything goes well, he is expected to play tonight. So 22 minutes for Montrez in that one, 7 of 9 from the field. Did go 1 of 5 from the free throw line. And so we're thinking, oh, great, here we are gassing Trez up because he's not Mason Plumley at the foul line, and he only goes 20%. That's below Mason's season average in the, in the, the that game. Against the Grizzlies, though, he actually hit free throws late. Like he was 6 of 9, missed 3 early, but then mm-hmm. hit some clutch ones down the line. So I think we've kind of avoided that potential disaster. Oh yeah. And he only misses one field goal again. So he missed two against Detroit. He missed one against Memphis and he hit seven field goals altogether in each of those games, 14 total, I guess, 20 points against the Grizzlies. We'll get to that game in just a moment, but clearly Montrez Harrell is going to be an upgrade offensively. You see that at the center spot way, way leaps and bounds better than Mason. Certainly offensively, as we saw that, and uh, he's going to be a lot of fun. You see the tenacity from Montrez too. six rebounds, play 22 minutes. It was the same amount as Mason did. And then you go to the Grizz game. Mason played 30 Montrez played 29. So very, very even distribution between those two guys playing center and big guy spots right now. What did you think of Montrez Mason and the overall rotation in general, Kelly getting some starts and how PJ Washington, JT Thor, some of those other guys have been in the mix here this weekend. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kelly's still struggling to shoot a little bit, at least in that Detroit game. Um, but, I, you know, I was really happy with everything that Montrell's offered. And, you know, it was all, all the stuff that we thought he was going to give you, which is, uh, you know, putbacks, uh, rolling hard to the rim. Lamelo right. had the nice, like, toss back to him to finish for a dunk. Again, just certain things um, that you – you would get from Mason every once in a while, but you couldn't really depend on consistently. Uh, and Terry had a nice one where he drove, you know, drew the defense and then um, threw it up for Montrez to finish. And and that's really what Montrez is all about. Like you can throw the ball up there and expect him to finish, but he was also uh, running in transition and finishing in transition. Just a lot of stuff again that Mason Plumley would give you every once in a while, but Montrez can obviously do consistently. And and the thing you have to love about Montrez Harrell is that he can be so effective in limited minutes. Like when he gets in the game, he's just like he's just like a crazy little he's like a puppy dog. I mean, he's just running all over the place and being <laughs> effective, touching the basketball a lot and making good things happen and they've, you know, w- they're still missing uh, that that rim defender, but this was also something that they were missing. Somebody that gives you energy is giving uh, his friend Terry Rozier. They're 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 friends in real life, and mm-hmm. uh, he is giving Terry lots of energy as well. I was thinking more Tasmanian Devil, something a little more uh, ferocious than puppy dog. Well, you hey, were listen, to- <laughs> if you've ever had a puppy, you know they can be ferocious on your couch, yeah. on your carpet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean they can they can terrorize you. That's that's true. I have a puppy right and now. Keep you so awake. And they were, yeah, they I mean, he was keeping Detroit awake for sure. <laughs> he was all of that. All of that is true about Montrez and puppies. Finally, Lamella was special in this game. We, we've mentioned it a little bit, but don't want to gloss over it too much. Right. I mean, the fact that he scored 30 points, 31 to be exact, 12 assists, 
five rebounds, four steals, and all of that while only committing two turnovers, 10 of 14 overall in this game. Special one from LaMelo against Detroit. Just absolutely owned him. And so that was uh, the stat line of the night in that one. Everybody shot well. Nice to see. Not necessarily the case against Memphis. They did score 118. They had a crazy second half. We'll get to that in just a moment here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. But we will talk to Katie Heindel, who had a piece on Miles Bridges that I want to discuss coming up next. Not before Built Bar, though. It's that time of the year where a lot of people have given up on New Year's resolutions. If yours is about being fit, then I've got something that'll help you stick to those plans. It's called Built Bar. They've got excellent flavors. They're like energy bars, but they taste like candy bars because they're covered in 100% chocolate. The staples are good. Just your run-of-the-mill run orange and chocolate, double chocolate, caramel, but they also have the puff flavors, churro puff. They've got banana cream pie, so they get risky and it works with some of these flavors it's so good low in calories low in sugar but high in protein and high in fiber go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com so we talked about the win against the detroit pistons now let's maybe go into a little more depth with this loss to memphis doug we almost had a crazy game in this one you know, I it was one of the worst halves that we had seen from a Charlotte basketball team not playing well anyway, besides that Detroit contest. And then in the second half, they score 32 in the third. They score 43 in the fourth and had their chances to, I mean, like the fact that they had a shot to maybe even get 50 with some, sh- with some shots they missed. Like, I mean, they just scored so many points in the fourth in a way I did not expect to have them come back into this game. And here we are talking about that first half they had against Detroit. That's a record setter. The second half they have against Minnesota. That's a 75 point half. I mean, here's they're just so inconsistent. And I know that is base level analysis. But when you have first quarters or any quarter where you come out and score 15 and allow the other team to score 32, we've just seen it so many times now. There's one individual period where the Hornets completely forget to basketball, and that's it. Like, that that's the end game. And Charlotte tries to dig themselves out of that hole. In the end, it's way too much for them to do so, even if they almost did it in this one against the Grizzlies. But, Doug, you even talked about this more so. I I forget what second-half fake comeback that they had, but you were like, I'm not here to give them credit for that anymore. Like, here we are in, you know, approaching the 60th game of the season. We, We can't continue to give this team, oh, that's awesome, fist bump, great job for almost coming back. Like, Mm -hmm. stop having the dud quarters. So you don't have to put yourself in such an awful situation. Yeah, and, and be prepared to start a basketball game. I mean, you look at uh, LaMelo had a great fourth quarter. Terry Rozier had a great third quarter to help get them back into this game. JT Thor was a big part of that comeback as well, which I, I think we should dig into. We but should. If you look at the first half, which is where they got down 30 before you could blink, uh, Terry Rozier was four of eleven from the field. Lamelo Ball was two of eleven from the field. One of six from the uh, uh, three point line. Miles Bridges one of nine. Kelly Oubre one of six. Uh, Miles never got better. We're gonna praise. We're gonna praise Miles because he's had a great season. Coming up in this third segment with Katie Heindel, who did a great profile right. on him uh, for Uprocks. Uh, but this was one of the worst Miles Bridges games I've seen in, in quite a while. There were a few. Uh, I think plays in the second quarter 
that really defined why the Hornets were were down so big in that first half. Uh, one was a steal at half court by Terry Rozier. He gets it. He throws it very quickly to LaMelo Ball, who has a wide open layup, but just takes his time. Lackadaisical kind of non-focused sort of immature kind of play. Just softly lays it up and Steven Adams just completely dominates. It blocks it off the off the backboard. The second play was Miles Bridges taking a three and just watching it, just watching it as it missed. It missed off a uh, missed long off the rim and he just stood there. And and Memphis uh, was all, already ready to get back and and annihilated them in transition. And, and that was a theme in this game. I think they finished, Memphis did, 72 points in the paint. And, and yes, they, they did a lot in the half court too, uh, but it was the fact that they were just beating the Hornets in transition up and down. Unacceptable. The Hornets have beaten the Memphis Grizzlies already this season, 118 to 108. And that's a game in which John Moran had 32 points. This mm-hmm. I, I understand they're missing Cody Martin. I understand they're missing Jalen McDaniels. But you're getting great performances out of Montrez Harrell. I mean, he's been able to pick up some of that slack. This is all about the starters committing themselves to begin games the right way. And it's it's pathetic, honestly. And it's it's super disappointing because this was a home game. We've talked all season about how, yes, the first half of the season was tough, but the second half was going to get easier. Lots of opportunities for home games. And now this team is letting this playoff opportunity slip away, and they're doing it in front of a Charlotte crowd. Well, and I want to talk about some of the Mitch Kupchak audio that he had after the acquisition with Montrez Harrell, but we can do that later on this week when we don't have a whole weekend to recap. But one of the things he did say was here we are having a favorable schedule as far as the away and home thing goes. We have a lot of games at the Spectrum Center, but we have a really tough schedule as far as the opponent goes. And that means you can't come out and lay an egg because these teams are going to be so good. They're not going to allow you to come back and win it again. It'll be a fake comeback because teams go on runs all the time. Terry Rozier might have a good third quarter, but you can't have a dud like, and that's what's happened with Charlotte. And here, you know, that's where the Montrez Harrell thing comes in. Look, Montrez has been great offensively, you know, still in the paint. You mentioned allowing 70 points like that. That is not a fix on this roster. He's that wasn't, awesome. but that was honestly like, uh, I mean, it's trans- it's I haven't seen a ton of things where I'm like, oh my God, what was Harold doing? No, there? no, you're right. You're right. I guess my point being just like, it's, it's still not fixed, if you will. Right. Like, it's not like Montrez has been the punching no. bag in that aspect the last two games. But you're right to bring up transition, which has also been a constant theme. I, you know, it it's it's really disappointing to see, as you mentioned, to continue to watch that be a problem and it not be fixed as the season goes on. Yeah, and and I think in the Memphis game, they were getting into the paint. It wasn't as if the ball wasn't moving. They were effectively getting to the paint. They were just going back to something that Borrego mentioned earlier in the season. They're making terrible paint decisions. They're taking opportunities at the rim where they're look, I mean, Memphis is a tough team inside. They've got shot blockers on the, that team. They've got athletic defenders, and they were making kind of selfish decisions at the rim and, and getting the shot completely crushed instead of kicking it back out for opportunities. And then when they did kick it out, I mean, to be fair, when they did kick it out. You had guys that normally shoot the basketball well, not shooting it well. I do want to hit a positive before we get to this third segment, and that's JT Thor. I just, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing that Thor has been on the bench for as long as he's been. I I don't know what's going on there, but it just seems like he can give this team exactly what they need. Um, You know, a really excited defense, a little bit of rim protection, and and I don't know what's taken JB so long to get Thor some minutes. I don't really know, understand what's going on there, but um, I'm glad he finally got some minutes. I'm fi- I'm glad he finally got 
uh, Borrego's attention, and I hope he holds that attention, and I hope Borrego plays him more, honestly. Uh, the, the other rookie, James Booknight, it hasn't played well the past two games. He's gotten some more significant minutes. He only got 10 minutes in this one, uh, but he wasn't very good against Detroit. He was two of seven in this game, nine points, four rebounds. I don't know if the wrist injury, however he acquired that, who knows, um, whatever. His wrist seems to be injured. They've got a uh, uh, some kind of uh, protection yeah. on it, <clears throat> um, but he hasn't played well. Uh, but Thor did, and I think Thor deserves more minutes. Yeah, Thor defensively, look, he played 12 minutes in this game and had a huge block against Desmond Bain, the three-point shot that he took, and that was JT. I believe that was that was the right play where he comes in and is able to get a hand on it. An excellent play there, making smart rotations for a guy that I believe was the second youngest player in the NBA draft. And so there are times, obviously, where, look, he needs to hit the weight room. He's skinny, you know, when you're talking about him being down low. Like, I could see some of the reasons why Borrego doesn't play him. But also, here's Borrego saying, okay, now it's time for me to find minutes for this guy. Like, you know, Jalen McDaniels is going to come back at some point. So is Cody Martin. I don't don't know what kind of rotation you're going to have when both of those players clearly deserve minutes for the role that they've played. And then JT Thor comes in, but I guess it's a good problem to have. I also don't know if James Borrego, like what kind of lineups he's going to throw out there because sometimes they're great and sometimes they're bad. Like this is the mad scientist part of Borrego where he'll pull the string immediately just upon uh, what seems like kind of reactionary. Well, JT Thor would probably be a much easier play if the Hornets were shooting the basketball better. But the reason they've lost, right. you know, seven out of their last eight games is because they're shooting the ball so terribly. So if if Kelly Oubre were, if the Hornets played offensively like they played in that late third and into mm-hmm. the fourth quarter throughout an entire game, and they began the game that way, then it, you know it's it's probably a, a much easier call. Uh, to add a little bit of defense from JT Thor. Um, but as it stands, I just think you've got to get some guys who are playing this this thing the right way. Just get them in earlier. And, and if the starters are going to start games like this, then start pulling them earlier. I mean, I just think, t- to me, like it's dra- it's almost drastic measure time. Uh, it, it's time to... It, th- a lot there of needs L's. To be, there needs to be some wake-up call here. And I don't know what it's going to take. Um, but it, but it's super frustrating. I'm ready to get off the roller coaster. I really am. Like I'm ready for this team to start playing consistently and start proving uh, that they're ready uh, for whatever they want. If, if they want playoffs, then play like you're ready for it. I, I'm just I, I'm kind of super frustrated by this whole thing. Two wins in the last ten games, and they have scored almost 300 points in those two wins against bad teams in Indiana, certainly before they hit the trade and Detroit, who is one of the worst teams in the NBA. Also, I do want to mention one thing before we go to Katie Heindel, you mentioned Kelly Oubre. You kind of see a little bit of a trend here too. Like everybody's been shooting poorly, right? It's not just Kelly, but it is, it's been way worse with Kelly over anybody else, man. Like that guy yeah. in the month of February is shooting 17% from three on eight attempts per game. Then you even go back before that, Indiana goes 10 of 15, two of eight against Toronto, one of nine, oh of six, three of seven, two of 11. I mean, he is nonstop shooting the three-point basketball and nonstop missing every single yeah. one of the shots it and, seems but, like that he but takes. what's there's there's no answer except for him to continue to shoot and hopefully start to knock them down he can because, attack like he's better at attacking the rim these days like i mean it 
at least you're talking if you're talking about like teams well, when their offense has been when their offense has been almost unstoppable it's when it's when tsunami poppy is dropping them from three but they're not but the, they're not I, a ton of shot they're not a ton of other shots to go around like it's not as if he's taking shots away from terry terry's getting his shots miles is getting his offense Melo's getting his offense like they just i think they need kelly to do exactly what he's been doing and just do it better well, that, but that's the problem, though. Like the career for Kelly has always suggested this is what he does. And that's always been the problem with investing so much in Kelly Oubre early on. He was great. He was having a career year. And now he's doing what Kelly has done his entire career. And it's losing basketball games for the Hornets, because you're right. There is a trend of Kelly when he shoots well, they tend to win games when he doesn't. They tend to lose games. And that's not, you mentioned the roller coaster, baby. Like it's the Kelly coaster. Like that's what we're kind of riding this year. And there's a lot of trends that suggest how that guy plays is what the victory or the loss is going to show up in that column for the Hornets. And it's a problem. Like he needs to hit shots or there needs to be some kind of other answer the Hornets can go to because it's been brutal. Now, here's the answer. More Trez, more JT. Play the guys who want who sure. are ready to play, who, who want to give 100% out there and start taking minutes away from guys um, that that aren't going to live up to this moment. Yeah, that's true. I would love to see more Trez. The guy's been awesome offensively. We'll end on a positive before we go to Katie Heindel and then end the whole podcast on a positive talking about Miles Bridges. Football might be over for the season after the Super Bowl, but basketball's in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performances, props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball, by the way. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. Katie Heindel going to be joining us to talk about her piece on Miles Bridges. Don't miss it. It's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Then I clicked on M. Thomas. I'm like, who in the hell is M. Thomas? Matt Thomas is his oh, name. Oh, NBA legend, Matty Thomas. <laughs> he, he, Matt he Thomas. Didn't play at all. I'm pretty sure Matt Thomas <laughs> served me in an Applebee's the other day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I'm excited to welcome Katie Heindel to the show now. Find her writing at basketballfeelings.com. Find her on Twitter, by the way, at WTEVS, whatevs. Uh, Katie, do you have the next piece coming out on Matt Thomas, by the way? You have a big profile coming up on him? <laughs> you guys are going to be disappointed um, to hear no. that your your little burn doesn't work on me because I was never part of a Matt Thomas. Uh, I was never part of Matt Thomas hive. I no, look, and that was no disrespect intended by any means. We did have some respect for Matt Thomas after he destroyed the Charlotte Hornets in one of the games that they played, yeah. I think a couple of years ago. Is that right? Yeah. The, mm -hmm. dis the disrespect came from pain. It just came from pure, <laughs> pure unleashed pain by Matt Thomas. Yes, that's what it was. It wasn't any intended disrespect. Really, I guess we'll talk about Miles Bridges. You recently put out a piece on Miles, which was awesome. Miles Bridges has invested in his own longevity. So I do have to apologize to Katie for a couple of reasons, though. One, we're late on this. We should have had her last week, but didn't. And I'm deciding to blame Doug working the Super Bowl for that. That's I have how a baby. I rationalize it. I have that, a baby. That's fine. That's fine. You can rationalize it however you want to. Two, not only were we late, but we decided to have her on the day after the Super Bowl, a day most people are pissed as in a national holiday. So, Katie, thank you for appearing with us despite our poor decision making. Hopefully you're doing all right. 
Yeah, guys, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I'm not I'm not feeling the like you know post Super Bowl blues or or anything like that. So I'm ready. All right. Well, let's talk about Miles Bridges. Let's talk about this excellent piece you got to write about him a couple of weeks ago that it dropped. What was your impression of Miles getting to talk to him and get to know him when writing all of this? Miles is wonderful. Like, I think he's a really kind of understated guy. One thing I noticed is when we were when we were chatting, like it is it is always interesting, like trying to gauge a player's um perspective on themselves and you kind of get a sense in an interview of like the guys that are more comfortable talking about themselves um the guys that really like talking about themselves but miles didn't feel necessarily as comfortable talking about himself i noticed as his teammates which i think is like pretty transparent also in the way that he plays uh, and kind of in like the greater overall chemistry i think of that hornets team right now um so it it was like teasing you know teasing kind of things out of him to get him to like praise himself but he's like all for praising his teammates that was no problem well yeah and and toward the beginning you talk about the transition in miles game going from great dunker to oh man he's awesome at other stuff too like it's usually the criticism that drives people but it was more the celebration of miles in one area that made him so hungry to get better at everything else and it kind of transitioned uh, us into investing in his longevity as you put it how would you describe that title and how what it meant to him what what it meant to him investing in his longevity yeah i mean like that was a theme i just noticed it kept coming up like when you even go like trace back to his time in college at michigan state like the decision that he made to stay you know into his sophomore year um it was very interesting to me how almost like derided he was for it and like how shot like how plainly shocked I think so many people seemed to be. But when I chatted with Tom Izzo, um, the coach at Michigan State, and when I chatted with Miles about it, the sense was just that like he wanted to prepare himself all around as well as he could to make it to the NBA and not and like this isn't a shot at the G League. You know, like I'm based in Toronto and the Raptors are like they use that thing right. like crazy. Like that they they've had to use their G league arm for years, you know, just out of necessity. But for miles, it was this sense of like, he wanted to make it to the NBA and stay in the NBA and not just kind of become known as a very one dimensional player. Um, he wanted to try and round out the skill set that he had. And I think the best way he thought he could do that was to stay, you know, a second year in college, whether or not he won, like the funniest thing was, when I was chatting with Tom and he was like, yeah, I almost crashed my car when Miles told me <laughs> that he wanted to stay a second year. But then when he pressed him and Miles said, well, I want to win you know, a championship. And Tom was like, well, that's not really good enough like that. It's going to be so rare to do that. So why do you actually really want to stay? And it was because he wanted to prepare himself further. And I did get that sense chatting with, you know, the trainer uh, that I spoke with Dutch Gately for the story too. Um, and I think you see that in his first couple of years with the team, just like taking the minutes that he was given and could get and, you know, like doing what was asked of him. But then I think you're really seeing the explosion of that preparedness this season when it's like, okay, you know, you're going to start, you're going to get way more minutes than you ever had. And you're not just going to be this kind of glorified role player, right? Like you're going to figure out a way to play to your, like your skill sets and your strengths, but you're also going to try and figure out a way to bring that out in your teammates. And I mean, like, that's one thing that does just impress me about this Hornets team overall is just how intuitive they really are with one another. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you speak about his humility, his preparedness, and his patience. And it's interesting because it stands in kind of stark contrast to James Booknight, who is uh, the rookie this year, this season for the Charlotte Hornets, who seems to be very impatient about his uh, playing time. And Miles has tried to kind of coach him along a, a little bit and say, hey, this is what I went through in, in my rookie season. And, uh, you know, it, it, it gets better. But did you get a sense in talking to him about, like, where – those kind of things come from his humility, his uh, preparedness, his patience. I think for miles, a lot of it comes from his background. You know, I think he, he, we touched a little bit just on his relationship with his mom. He's super close with his mom and his sister. He's close, close with his dad. But I think that took some time and was a little bit strained, you know, throughout his probably teen teenage years. Um, And I think it to him, like there's a point of pride in where he's come from and like coming from Flint, coming out of Flint, coming from Michigan and just like the program, you know, at Michigan state, the way that they, I mean, it is a physical program, but there's also this very intense camaraderie, you know, miles kept mentioning this, that like, he didn't really look at it as a four-year scholarship. He looked at it as a 40 year scholarship and that, you know, he wanted to be able to go back to that school anytime that they'd have him and like be involved with events. You see that with like Draymond green too, right. Who's like same kind of alumni. And I think like, has some really similar characteristics uh, to Miles. Maybe not so much in his bravado, Draymond's, to Miles' right. own sort of like more demure attitude. But I think Miles overall just struck me as a really humble guy, like a really humble person. You can definitely see this growth of his confidence. You know, like that's one thing where right. I think the difference in a rookie, like you mentioned, uh, like with, with book night, like being so eager and wanting to just like, and being super impatient confidence, I feel like can get inverted and kind of blow up in a rookie's face occasionally. Mm-hmm. But my sense with miles is that his confidence has been kind of unilaterally growing with his skill set, you know, and like you, it's always nice to have that sense of like humbleness with like when, when, when an athlete has that too, cause it's almost just like a little grain of salt. Right. So, you know, to understand the work that goes into being ready, but then to have the confidence once you're kind of called up to like not shy away from the moment. And I think that's a really rare, almost like alchemized thing that like not a lot of athletes have. And for me again, like just chatting with miles, he didn't even like want to big it up in himself too much, but you right. do just get that sense if not chatting with him, then you certainly get that sense when you watch him dunk um, and like explode, <laughs> explode all over the floor. Right. Yeah. So I think with him, it's just like a lot of that stuff was ingrained. You know, Tom is said the same thing. Like he's just one of the most humble, hardworking guys he thinks he's ever had. He said a lot of guys come in and kind of rest on their laurels in the sense of like the ingrained talent that they have, but he never found that with Miles. I think Miles is just like a genuinely good dude. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And you talked about kind of the growth and confidence. You've seen that. I, one of the things about Miles, I think he's always been brutally honest. I mean, even coming into the league, his rookie season, he talked about how he did not deserve an all-rookie selection in any of the two teams, right? When you had 10 players at the end of the day, he said, look, I wasn't good enough. Like, I'm not mad at my, I'm not mad at that I didn't get it. I'm just not good enough there. He constantly worked on his game. And then you mentioned him stepping up in big moments. We saw him flourish at the end of last year when Gordon Hayward goes down, when Malik, Devontae, a couple of guys are banged up. Charlotte lost a lot of guys. And here comes Miles shooting ridiculous percentage from three, finishing everything down low because he can jump to the ceiling with how athletic he is. And I think that's been 
one genuine, as you mentioned, but also just the kind of confidence that he's instilled within himself because of his improvement in the game and to just be brutally honest on what aspects he needs to work in. It, it's refreshing. And I real quickly, as I ramble on about miles, like you, you see Tom Izzo writing uh, or in your write up, you mentioned Tom Izzo's comment about like leadership and mm -hmm. how he said, I don't necessarily agree with leading by example i want these guys to drag these players with them and i feel like that plays a part his brutal honesty and miles like look guys you got to check yourself too you know let's i'm, I'm going to drag everybody here and that's what he did last year and you saw it here being top 10 in the front court and all-star voting yeah i really loved that when tom said that and he was like you know the thing about leading by example is people have to be paying attention right so he's like i'm not i'm not so much a fan of that i'm Such more a great fan quote of like dragging, dragging people behind you. Um, and I think though, politely miles does do that on the floor, but like the thing that also caught, like when I was catching up, uh, before I wrote the story and just kind of going back through a lot of his post games, you know, his criticisms, especially of like the team's defense, you know, and just yeah. the criticisms of that, like some guys would be more comfortable saying just like in the locker room and not necessarily, you know, in a post game uh, situation, but he was like super blunt. He's been super mm -hmm. blunt about that. He was blunt when I interviewed him about it, but he was more, uh, he kind of couched it in a little bit of a joke. He was like, yeah, you know, I think we're 30th <laughs> in defense. So we should probably get a little bit better <laughs> at that. He's like, that's a, that's a, you know, polite way of saying it, but yeah, like he's super direct. Um, another thing, you know, is that like, he's got himself a personal chef, like he's really trying to double down in terms of just like his sleep habits, getting in the gym. I know he like gets after guys about that too on the team. And I think, especially for a team with such young players, you know, and rookies that are really like raring to go, that is such an important thing that usually vets instill, you know, in, in younger guys is just like, yeah, of course, when you're younger, you can just like eat whatever you want and still come up and be ready to play. But like, how do you, it's like just another way of like, again, him, investing in the sense of longevity of like, how do I have as many years as I can at the league? And how do I make those years uh, as worthwhile for me as possible? And I think him kind of turning and trying to put that on a lot of the, like a lot of his teammates, again, you're just kind of seeing how he is a quiet leader, but I think a very, very determined one. All right. So Katie, you've spent some time with miles. You've, you've gotten to know him. You studied his game. So here's the big question. The one question that a lot of Hornets fans want uh, answered, and, and we'll have to wait on this answer, but I want you to speculate on this. Uh, the Hornets have a big decision to make in the offseason. Do they do they re-sign him, and and do they give him, uh, you know, kind of max-type dollars because he, it looks like he's going to be a hot commodity on the market? So my my question is to a two-parter here: Should the Hornets uh, sign him, uh, re-sign him to a max contract, and do you believe that Miles uh, would consider re-signing with the Charlotte Hornets, or do you think he he wants to shop around? I mean, I'm incredibly biased. I will put that out there first, but yes, I think they absolutely should. I mean, one thing that struck me in watching him and then talking to him and it's just like, you know, so many teams now are going big and long and like miles is so strong and just like so naturally athletic. And I think I, I wrote about that in this, in the piece of just like, he plays more like a gymnast. Like the way he is just able to like move and contort and like the quick decision-making, you know, that he can do on the floor. A lot of that is just innate, but now he's building up like his playmaking uh, abilities. Like the team is running plays for him and like really trying to push and test him. I think as long as they keep doing that and you develop that side of him, you know, yes, it's like to me, absolutely. Miles Bridges is a player that as a team, especially if you're looking at developmental 
you know, um, potential, he's a player you'd want to invest in because right now I think can think of like, you know, no less than five teams that could use somebody like him. Right. And just right. like, in terms of even at where he's at and like, if you want to talk about like ceiling and, you know, career trajectory and, and growth in that sense. So yes, absolutely. They should keep him to my sense was that like, just chatting with the trainers about him, they want to just like, why else would you invest so much uh, right. in a player like this and like explore, you know, okay, like let's, let's try out his playmaking. Like, let's see how, where he's at at both, both ends of the floor, you know, and not just yeah. kind of have him be like, all right, he's a great outlet for Lamelo, right? Like, you know, that's, that's not what they're trying to do with him. Um, my sense for miles is as long as there's a team that's willing to invest in him, which I think, you know, year over year, you've seen the Hornets do more and more that his, he's like, seems like a very loyal person, you know, a really loyal guy. Is that like, if the deal was good and I don't even think it would be, have to be like some, you know, exorbitant amount. Right. It's just like, is it good? Is it fair? Yeah. I want to stay here. Right. Cause like the way he talked about his teammates too, like they're building something really special there. And like that gets rarer when you just saw it right now at the trade deadline, right? Like even with the huge teams, like the super teams that are supposed to get along, like, that kind of chemistry yeah. and camaraderie gets rarer every season. Yeah. And you mentioned it just there. Tom Izzo talked about it in your write-up about him. It's it's like, you know, you see Tom say he's never seen a teammate that didn't love Miles Bridges, mm-hmm. that didn't get along with a Miles Bridges. And now you're seeing Miles and his best friend is LaMelo, the potential superstar with this team, as Miles is coming into his own as a potential all-star. Terry Rozier. I, yeah, Miles has been awesome. Last year, he was great, really took a big step up. And this year, too, watching him at least get some kind of all-star consideration. Fantastic to have Katie Heindel on with us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Go follow her on Twitter at WTEVS. Also, you can catch her work really everywhere, right? There are so many different <laughs> publications that are publishing her work, but you can also find it on basketballfeelings.com. This was an awesome write-up. Go read it if you haven't yet. Miles Bridges has invested in his own longevity and I really appreciate you, Katie, for joining us here to talk more about it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Anytime I could gush about Miles, I guess I'm in the Tom Izzo camp now. That's what he said to me. He's like, yeah. you can call. He's like, you got my number. You want to call me, you know, an hour before the game. If you want to talk about Miles, do it. So now All right, we got a source now. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah. We have our own Lockdown Hornets, Tom Izzo source. It's what I, I didn't go. know I wanted it, but I do want it. Thanks again to Katie Heindel for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Awesome stuff on Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges investing in his own longevity. Go check it out if you haven't yet. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every day. Uh, now make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Plus, check us out on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH, at Walker Mail, and go watch us on YouTube. It's just uh, search Locked on Hornets, and you can watch us there as well. The subscribers are growing, and we appreciate you for that. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. 